It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's time for another episode of Cheesesteaks in the 700 level. Today's episode for March 10th, 2020. I can't believe we're a third of the way through March already, but time flies when you're having fun. Today, I am once again joined by Austin Mancini. It's a beautiful week here outside of Philadelphia. Yesterday, yesterday was great weather. Today, so far, great weather. So let's get right into this, Austin. Uh, we have the Flyers, Sixers, and Phillies to talk about today, and possibly some stuff at the end. But let's get right into the Flyers. They keep winning. The hottest team possibly in all the NHL. Perhaps Colorado has something to argue about that, or St. Louis. But the Flyers' winning streak is up to now nine games. They've picked up two wins since the last time we met, one over Carolina, one over Buffalo. This team just keeps on winning. They find ways to win. They suffered, did, did suffer an injury with JVR uh, last week. But, uh, man, this team has just been exciting. Yeah, they teetered a little bit uh, against Buffalo there. Carter Hart had to bail him out, 38 saves on 39 shots. And at one point, his glove did come off, and he played without the glove. I don't know how the whistle didn't come off, but um, or the whistle didn't blow, but... They're finding ways to win, and Elaine Vigneault, you know, he that's what he said. He said, you know, good teams find ways to win, and this team's just doing it. Um, I don't know if this win streak's going to continue much longer. I personally think they have a big battle coming up here, but you got to love to see the heart that they're showing right now. No pun intended, agree. by the way. <laughs> yeah, 100% agree, yeah. Uh... And like you mentioned, Hart, he, he was outstanding against Buffalo, but also against Carolina. Uh, those two wins moved his record to 7-0 and in his last seven starts. And in those two games, he made 76 saves on, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, God, I suck at <laughs> 76 saves on Matt Wood. 81. I was going to say, don't, we don't get paid to do math. Yeah, you're right. We don't get paid to do math. This is why I'm not. This is why I don't do math, folks. Math is stupid. Okay, but like I said, Garhart is incredible. Seven and zero last seven starts. In the last seven ga- games he started, he has 196 saves on 208 shots, just 12 goals allowed. This man is uh, playing like the best goaltender in the NHL, and it's showing. Um, also, with those two wins, not only is the Flyers at win streak in nine games. But they're sixteen, three and one over their last twenty. Well, and they're and they're finding different ways to win. Like that, like one hundred percent. Like Nicholas Abe Kubel one night will score, and Scott Lawton will score, and Kevin Hayes will score. And then if you look at Buffalo, who carried them to that win? It was Claude Giroux. It was Claude Giroux. You know, and Voracek. It was the leaders, and that's the type of game you need them to take over. Is the team is playing down to the competition and obviously something happened in that locker room and Voracek and Druba said we need to we need to show these kids, you know, enough's enough. Yeah, fully and uh uh since I was stupid earlier and I couldn't do basic math, uh Carter Hart in the last two games has made seventy six saves on seventy eight shots. Uh so don't mind me being stupid folks. Uh, it's just uh, part of the uh, process for myself. But, uh, 
Yeah, going back to what you said, it's really been a different guy stepping up for the Flyers seemingly every day, or every game, I should say. Uh, very rarely has it been the same guy every night, and if it has been, it's been uh, the guy that we've already gloated about quite a bit already today, Carter Hart. Um, but like you, but let's go on to uh, the future here. Uh, like you said, Flyers have a tough game coming up as they take on the Boston Bruins uh, tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, Bruins are seven and three in their last ten, and uh, so tonight's game can also be uh, two points away. F- uh, sorry, Boston with the win today will be the first team uh, to get to 100 points on the season. Flyers obviously will look to. Make sure that doesn't happen. But uh, what are your f- quick thoughts on uh, this matchup between two Eastern Conference heavyweights? Well, I think the biggest thing is Brad Marchand needs to make sure that the uh, puck stays on his stick. Um, but no, seriously, I think he'll be in revenge mode. Um, last time the Flyers did play them, he lost them the game by missing the puck in the shootout. But I think the Flyers just got to keep the intensity going. Um they know it's a big game. They know it's a big opponent. And I think they just got to keep doing what they're doing. You know, the hockey cliche, get pucks deep, all that crap that Kevin Hayes loves to say. But they, honestly, they just need to play their game. They need to play hard. And I, I'm i worried they drop this game and get lucky that Stammer, because Stamkos is out uh, against the Lightning, I think, they take advantage of that, but these two games are going to tell me a lot about this team. Fully agree, and it, it is worth knowing that uh, so far this year the Flyers have had uh, the Bruins numbers. These two teams have met up, uh, what, two times before uh, this year already, and the Flyers took both of those meetings. Um, and really, over the last few years, these two teams have been incredibly even. Uh they're 5-5 five and five against each other. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really good game. It should be fun to watch. Um, but it is going to be tough for the Flyers. This, uh, you think Gritty Boston, torments uh, Marshan? I I mean, he, he, he should. How do you think he'll do it? Uh, I mean, he has to do something with the whole failed shootout attempt, right? I think he does it. You know what I could see? I could see it during the Mites on Ice. I think they do something with the Mites on Ice and him go for a shootout or something wearing some ugly-looking Boston jersey. And you, you bring up Marsh, and, and uh, that, that uh, reminds me of an article I actually read earlier today on, uh, I think it was uh, Section 215, uh, uh, Philadelphia side and the Fan Side Network. And uh, it was by Kevin Legowski, who was talking about how the last time the Flyers and Bruins met is really when the Flyers kind of turned their season around. Uh, and, of course, that was the game that Brad Marchand decided to uh, forget how to pick up a puck in a shootout, and the Flyers won. Uh, but uh, So perhaps this comes full circle and the Flyers win again tomorrow night. Uh, but as I was saying, this Bruins team is very tough. Uh, they're at the top of the Eastern Conference and really the league for a reason. They have talent all over the place. You got Marshan, uh, Bergeron, uh, Pasta, all of them can really uh, burn you at any point. Burn you at any point, uh, and not just offensively. They'll 
that hurt you defensively. And they'll, they'll just find ways to torment you uh, well, and, throughout a game. And the yeah. other thing, too, is kind of worrisome is uh, today that Phil, Phil Myers, you know, he t- either tweaked something or something from last game was bothering him. Um, so Ghost might have to play. Um, does that concern you at all? I know, you know, you know what you can get from Ghost, but Ghost hasn't played in how long? Um, I mean, I'm concerned. I'd be concerned about Rust a little bit, right? Uh, but at the same time, I think everybody on this team is in a really good mindset right now, uh, and has that probably that next man up, next man up, uh, mindset. Uh, yeah, I was just you we, know we saw it with the JVR injury. Uh, how yeah, with Therabee. in the next two games, uh, different guy. Farabee came in, stepped up. He, Farabee's been a snake bitten when it comes to goals this year. He's had a lot of great opportunities. Either hits the post, great save, sometimes just misses. Uh, but then he got a, what you would say, a lucky or slash weak goal against uh Hey, Buffalo, that's just hard goes. work. That's just hard but work. But it's, it's hard work until hockey, until, until hockey goes. So I think I think I wouldn't be too worried about it. No, and I'm uh, and I'm not. I you know I'm just saying, especially because like Phil Myers is a offensive type. Defenseman. So if it was more of like a Niskanen or Braun, like more of a defensive guy, you know, I think just because it wouldn't be as balanced, I'd be and and like you said, the rust. He had that little stint in Lehigh Valley, but I'm not too worried. I just I just didn't know what you were thinking when it came to how Ghost might play, especially because it's not like they're playing a team like the Sabers. They're playing Boston. Uh, yeah, uh, that it, it's a it is a valid point to be uh, solidly worried about, uh, and it, it's just one of those things we really won't know until he does uh, take the ice uh, against the Bruins. But uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to uh, see what happens uh, tonight. Uh, uh, the last thing we I want to cover quickly before we move to the Sixers is uh, uh, fourteen games left for the uh, Capitals. Uh, and they have an easy schedule in the next five. Uh, they got the Red Wings twice, the Sabres twice, and one against the uh, Senators. The Flyers schedule, on the other hand, uh, definitely not as easy. They have, uh, I know, Edmonton, St. Louis, Washington, Tampa, all in the next uh, few weeks. I think even Minnesota's in there somewhere. Uh, so do you think the Flyers are going to find a way to get first, get the first here in the Metro, or do you think uh, the Caps may... Uh, Get it by the luck of scheduling. I think, I hate to say it, as as hard as they've worked, I think that the the Caps are going to probably take first place. I mean, with the Red Wings, whose goal differential is like minus 20 at this point, and the Sabres, who they're not a bad team, but they're not necessarily good. Um, but then you also have the Sabres. It's it's a little worrisome, and I mean that just to me it, it kind of sucks because you look at who they could face. You know, if they took the first um, spot there, they'd be playing a wild card team. Where if they get two, they play a team like Pittsburgh. But um, like you said, moving forward here to something unfortunately less uh, bright and happy, I guess are the Sixers who are in the lowest of their lows right now without Joel Embiid and without Ben Simmons. The Sixers lost to the Golden State Warriors 118-114. to Tobias Harris led the 
Sixers with 24 points, along with somehow Al Horford with 22. And on the other end, you had Villanova star Eric Paschal dominate with 23.6 assists, three rebounds. Um, Dylan, is this is this becoming a Hindenburg here, or like what is going on? Man, I I don't know what's with this team. <laughs> well, I know what's with this team, but this team is just so flat out frustrating to watch. I I know they're not without a beat or Simmons, but well, dear lord. Well, and for me to, too, it's it's almost not fun to watch either. No, absolutely not. Uh, you think about it, everybody end of the season looking forward to watching the Sixers play, and we're eh about watching the Flyers play, especially after the Flyers lost to a uh, European team in the preseason. Uh, but all these months later, nobody wants to watch the Sixers, and the Flyers are the hottest team in Philadelphia. Like, like even like, because, you know, I watch the game, and they're the bully ball team, or they try to be, and all that. They're built for the playoffs, but... At this point last year, Jimmy Butler, you know, you, I, I would turn on the game to just watch Jimmy Butler close it out in the fourth quarter. And there's not that substance anymore. No, there's, and especially with Embiid and uh, Simmons, there's really no reason to look forward to the Sixers playing unless you're just that diehard of a Sixers fan, which if so, I fully respect that, but for the casual Sixers fan, and I would say I'm not a casual Sixers fan, I'm a pretty hardcore fan, It it's still just hard to want to turn it on and watch because I feel like there's other things I can be watching, even in the NBA, that are just more important than that game right now, uh, than the Sixers game. Uh, but to lose to Golden State is just so incredibly bad, such a new low for them, to say the least. Like, I know you don't have Simmons and Embiid, but that Golden State team doesn't didn't have Draymond Green or Steph Curry. So, really, that's a team of average players to full of average players and NBA G League guys. And you fail to beat them because they do one thing better than the Sixers do, and that's develop talent. And when you saw that with Eric Paschal, Paschal dominated that game. Well, and and it's wor- and it makes you worry about next game. Next game, they take on Detroit on Wednesday, where Embiid's hoping to be back. Detroit's twenty and forty four. They have no Griffin, potentially no D Rose. Like it worries you that the Sixers couldn't even beat a Golden State team whose best player was Eric Pascal. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely say it's no. Uh... No given thing that the Sixers do win against Detroit on Wednesday, and I think that game is on the road. Am I wrong? Um, I believe. I mean, it would make sense. It's on the. Yeah, the, on the road. Come back from the West. Yeah, uh, it's on the road. Here, but uh, let, let's assume it's on the road for now. But if that game's on the road, then it's just definitely no given. And if it was at home, I'd at least feel somewhat good about it. But. This team has... They seven. are at home. Oh, the Sixers are at home? Okay, then. Because that makes sense, because the Flyers are over at uh, Boston. That's right. Uh, then, if the Sixers are at home, then, yeah, uh, I feel a little bit better about it. But still, it's worrisome. Uh, if Embiid does come back tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, it 
it definitely will help. Uh, but that's a big if right now. Like, do you risk bringing back a game early to go against a Detroit team that's running mostly a G League lineup? Yeah, uh, I... Most, most of the time, I would what, say no, but this team needs some momentum. I, right I hate to say it. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's almost a must-win, and I hate using that, you know, must-win stuff, but... Because um, almost any game can be a must-win, but this is one of those I think they need and be to take over and kind of, you know, show everybody especially the Sixers fans, everybody calm down. It's going to be okay because I don't think we've really had that so far this year. So him coming back and putting a dominant performance, I think would ease a lot of Sixers fans' worries at this point. I agree. Like I think the only two positives to take out of, or two and a half, three positives to take out of the Golden State game were that – Tobias Harris performed as you would expect him to, so that's good. Al Horford and both, sorry, both Glenn Robinson the third and Al Horford decided to show up in a game for the first time in forever. Uh, Horford had 22 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists, and then Glenn Robinson had uh, 15 points. Uh, so if those two can actually do something here down the stretch, that would be uh, great uh, for the Sixers, especially starting tomorrow against Detroit. Uh, yeah, ahead. I was just about to say, too, um, I guess it's – I'm going to use the word promising. You've seen any sort of life from Glenn Robinson at this point. Um, you know, he's had a 15 – I believe a 15-point game and a 25-point game. So you at least know he can do it and – I know, you know, everyone was worried he hadn't hit a three till the six, you know, since the Sixers got him. But you're at least starting to see the scoring at this point. And Alec Burks has just been, you know, low tens or you know, low twenties. So you're at least seeing some production from those guys that you acquired. And doesn't it doesn't as much feel as though they got these guys just to get them. Fully agree. And Alec Burks had a good game against Golden State as well. He had 11 points. Uh, and really, we're going to transition to talking about the Sixers' uh, remaining schedule here quickly. Uh, but having those three guys perform as they did against Golden State is promising if they can keep it up. Because let's set the picture as it is right now. Sixers are 38-26 and 26 on the season. They have 18 games remaining. If they want to match last year's record of 51 and 31. They have to go 13 and 5 the remainder of the season. 11 of those games are at home, 7 on the road. First of all, Austin, do you think they could go 13 and 5 for the last 8 games, 18 games? Um, I got to look at their schedule first. I don't I mean they play I'm looking right now. They play the Pacers. This isn't in order by the way, but they play the Pacers, Raptors, Hawks, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Suns, um they play the Bucks again, Spurs, Grizzlies, so and the Rockets at least. So they don't have any really gimmies at this point. And that and the, what they've shown you haven't. No game has made me think they're gimmies. Um, I honestly am terrified. True. I'm ter. I'm actually terrified they're going to be stuck where they are right now. About the fourth, fifth yep. seed. 
Yep, and talking about seeding right now, uh, uh, in my notes I have them down as the uh, sixth seed, and uh, since they haven't played since I last recorded my notes, uh, that's where they should be still. And yeah, they're sitting in the sixth seed in the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, so then I have a question for you. So let's say right they go fifth or sixth seed, they sure. they'd play what the second seed, third seed, right? Doesn't the first get a buy? Yeah. All right. No. No. Do that. I have no. The sixth seed they're playing. Anyway, the third. Seed yeah. Anyway. Okay. So they play a top three seed. They don't have home court. Do, could they get bounced in the first round? Yeah, I and um, I've been ta- saying that to actually uh, people. Uh, just when I'm talking about the Sixers with friends and family, uh, I expect this team, if they stay where they are as, as the sixth seed, to get bounced in that first round. Like, they match up well against Boston this year, and they've played well against Boston. But for them to win as a 5-6, and they're not, they're not going to fall any lower than six. So if, they, if they're going to be a five or six seed, they're going to have to win at least two or three games on the road, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I'm. I don't know why this is. This is arguably worse than we pictured. You know, we were talking even last. Well, it was last episode, the episode before. Okay, they get second round, and it's the same story. Well, now you might not even get to the second round because, like you said, they're going to have to win on the road, and I get. You know ownership and everything. I said, well, we're that's what we built for, but teams are going to either outshoot you because we can't shoot, or you just can't play on the road. And what makes it even more frustrating is if we're talking pure talent. Is there a team? What? Well, well, it it's hard this year to say. But there is no team in the Eastern Conference that has the one-two punch the Sixers have, correct? No, and I mean, I guess the only the only one, honestly, would be the um, Bucks with Giannis, and I guess if you wanted to go someone like Chris Middleton, but exactly, no, I agree with Ben and Joel. Like, like you could you could make the argument that Giannis probably makes up for Joel and uh, half, ben. yeah. Like one but, and a half people, yeah. But be, but but between the Raptors, Celtics, Heat, and Pacers, who are all above the Sixers, Sixers right now, none of those teams are more talented than the Sixers on paper. I agree. I agree. Or have the one-two punch, and that's what makes this frustrating. Because the Sixers could lose in the first round by facing the Celtics or the Heat, and they're more talented than both. But they will lose in the first round to possibly either of them because they can't simply win on the road. I have no, I have faith that they're going to win every game at home against those two teams. But and you know what will happen, right? A one game. If you even drop one game at home to one of those two teams, you can kiss the series goodbye. Well, and you you know what's going to happen, right? They're going to get the heat, and Jimmy Butler is going to torch this team and. Everyone's going to be looking at Elton Brand, going, "Why did you let him go?" It, it, it's, it's just, that's what's going to happen. Agree. I it's I'm looking at my crystal ball right now. 
and I see it. I see Jimmy Butler hitting game two, a game-winning shot. It, yeah, and just just overall thing, it's amazing to think this team was, if we legitimately think about it, this team was one bounce away from beating the Raptors last year, probably. Which means they probably would have went to beat on, would have went to beat the Bucks, and probably would have beat Golden State in the finals. Yeah, I mean, and especially now, the way things happened later, with Golden State. They're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. They 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 will beat anybody at home, but on the road, they they might as well be the worst team in the league. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm 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 it's, speechless at this point. I really am. Uh, and we'll, we'll move on to the Sixers in a, a not Sixers. We'll move on to the Phillies in a minute. But if they don't make it out of the first round, is there any way that? Well, there's no way that Brett Brown would come back next year. Correct. Honestly, I think the whole coaching staff. You know, we talked about the development of Matisse. And just talent in general, developing talent, and they haven't done it. I think they wipe the coat. They have to. Their hands are tied at this point. And then Elton's uh, on the hot seat, but not moved yet. That was my next question. Do you think Elton would be moved? But also, you bring up the whole coaching staff, and I was thinking about, in my head quickly, uh, possible uh, replacements for bread next season, and I'm thinking... And I already know who Twitter's number one candidate is. I was just about to bet you. I was just about to bet you. He's in the same city right now. Jay Wright. Yep. (laughs) I was going to be like, let's say it together on three. One, two, three, and both say Jay Wright. But, yeah, uh, Twitter's number one candidate for the Sixers this offseason will no doubt be Jay Wright. Uh, But we'll see what happens there. Uh, Let's go on to, I guess, a little bit of happier stuff. With the Phillies, the Phillies, uh, they keep winning in spring training. They did drop, uh, I think, two games, but I think they're sitting at eleven and four or twelve and four in spring training. Uh, you gotta like that again in spring training, like we've been saying. So you can't really take the results uh, too much. Uh, but things are looking pretty good for uh, the Phillies here, aren't they? Yeah, I mean. Ranger Suarez has continued to impress me and hopefully the Phillies as well. Um, He once again had another start, three innings. He had five hits, two runs, but he had four strikeouts. I love to see that. Um, And meanwhile, on the other end of the pitching, you had Vince Velasquez, two and two-thirds, three runs, three walks, three strikeouts, two hits, and both of them were home runs. Um, so I've been very impressed from, I know we haven't really gotten to watch the games, but just Ranger Suarez, his outings have been just nothing but, you know, good and solid. Yeah, three starts, 2.25 ERA. Uh, and that's spring training walk. ERA, too. Yeah, and you can, I, I don't think ERA is necessarily – Always a great indicator of a pitcher, obviously, especially in spring training. But the number I really like about him, one walk in eight innings. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's not walking anybody is great news uh, for the Sixers, to say the you least. You mean the Phillies? Uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Phillies. Phillies. 
Well, and and the other guy that started to, is starting to heat up is Bryce Harper. You know, he's he's now up to three home runs this spring, and he doesn't even have to do this, but he's doing it because he just wants to. Is three steals. Um, he's starting to come alive. He, you know, he. I know we talked about him and Embiid and, and you know symbols for the city. I'm not gonna lie. He is just so infectious. Like, just the energy he brings, whether it's the home runs or you just see, you know, he hits a double or he steals a base. He pops right up and he is so hyper. I, I, it's awesome. And we haven't seen that in a while, especially with this team. Yeah. Uh, bro, bro, he's just, he's such a fun player. He's, he, I don't know. It's been a long time since there's been a player who's embodied. Has to be Chase. Philly. Like, but does Bryce even possibly surpass Chase he sh- and how he, he embodies the city? He shows more emotion than Chase did. Chase and him have the same work ethic. You know, they're hustling every ball out. They're, they're doing whatever they can for each ground ball, fly ball, whatever. But Bryce... You know, when he hit that walk-off moonshot, yeah. his face was what every Phillies fan was feeling. Chase was stone-faced, and, you know, he was feeling it, but he didn't show it. So I think I think Harper embodies it a little... I guess his, his tell is a little, you know, Yeah, that's more a great tipping. way to put it. Great uh, way to put it. And, yeah, he's he is just simply... Uh, clobbering the ball this spring, and that's a good sign. Um, I think he hit decently last spring in his few at-bats he did have in spring training, but uh, if Harper can get off to a hot start this year, um, this team's going to be really fun to watch. Um, and that 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 brings up a question I have. Um, do you think if the Phillies are going to compete in the NL East, uh, does Harper need to have an MVP-type year for the Phillies? I think we've discussed this a little bit um, on prior episodes. I think it's not necessarily him that needs to do the um, dirty work, per se. But him, Real Muto, and Hoskins need to click. Batting-wise, yeah, a- batting they need to click. Um, I think that's the key, is those three lead the team. Uh, Foy... I uh, fully agree. Talking about clicking, there is definitely one player in the Philly. Well, there's more than one player, uh, but there is definitely one player who is not clicking. Andrew in Knapp. Spring training. Uh, well, no, but in, him too. <laughs> let's not talk about Andrew Knapp. Uh, let's talk about D.D. Gregorius, who uh, signed a one-year $14 million contract this offseason. Uh, he's still hitting zero. Yeah. I know. I know. We said not to worry and all that. I just I mean, want one hit. This is the time to struggle. This is the You're time right. to struggle. And and that's what I that's what I mean. I just want one hit. I'm not asking for you know one hit would be. Nice. I'm not asking for him to bat 500 like Alex Boom or Alec Boom is close to doing. I just need to see him get on base. I know his OBP is like 140 something, but. I need to see him on base, man. It's frustrating. Yeah, it it truly 
is a bit frustrating to watch, and it has to be even more frustrating to him. Um, I mean, he's not as good of a hitter historically as uh, Juan Segura was coming over to Philly, but uh, we saw Segura last year, a guy who was hitting 300 the four seasons prior to being a Philly, hit 270 last year. I know it's 270 is still really good, uh, but... Yeah, and you're not, and you're we, not even. But we saw a guy who was a great hitter before just struggle at times last year coming here. That may have been partially Gabe Kapler, right? Uh, and we'll see this year. And you got DD for for different reason than you did, uh, you know. Uh, Correct. Segura, DD's more of the power type, so you're not going to see the same uh, average, right? Exactly. But you're still, I still want to see him at least two hundred. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he lo- hopefully he gets a few hits here because uh, as we get a little closer to the start of the season, we'll- we will see the starters a little bit more and longer. But uh, at uh, one point, they'll certainly also be seeing their uh, at bats and such wind down as they g- get ready for the uh, marathon of a season uh, they're about to embark on. Uh, but uh, I shouldn't have jumped. To Gregorius because I actually we weren't actually finished talking about the pitchers. Sure. Let's talk about that. Uh, they have number five spot in the rotation. We mentioned Suarez already. He he's pitched really well. Uh, Vince Velasquez, who pitched well in his first two starts, got roughed up against Toronto. I think it was uh, Sunday. He allowed two home two home runs uh, and three earned runs while also walking three. And then Nick Pavetta is, is uh, struggling himself. He hasn't. 8.22 ERA in 7.2 innings. He has four walks. He's allowed 10 hits. He has struck out 10, but neither Velazquez or Pavetta are really shown that uh, step forward that you wanted to see out of them this spring uh, under a new regime. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about how about uh, Pavetta and Velazquez. I'm, I'm done. You're off those trains. Yeah, I'm off those trains. You're ready to move on. I'm, I am. And, like, I'm already ready to give it to Suarez. And if, for some reason, Vince Velasquez or Nick Pavetta gets that fifth rotation spot, I, I don't know what they're thinking. But... Yeah, I, I definitely think, like, honestly, Suarez probably has another two or three starts before... Uh, well, probably two, because we are, I think, just 17 days away from opening day. So, really... We're, we are probably getting to that stretch run where we see uh, the starters play a little bit more consistently before they take a step back right before the start of the season. So if Suarez does well these last two starts, he probably gets maybe three starts. Uh, I think you have to give it to him. Uh, and then you guys, you'll guys, you see what you do with Pavetta or Velasquez. I was going to ask, who would, you, who would you give that fifth spot to? Uh, but I think it's both obvious. We were both going to say Suarez, right? And um, and sorry to cut you ahead. off. I was just going to no, say no, it's. Sorry. I mean, he's a, not even that. I just hate Velasquez and Pavetta. It's he's earned it. You know, oh, all yeah. spring 100% there has. there has been nothing this spring really that you've seen that has said, "Ooh, he had a bad outing." Like, no, he's had solid outings almost every time he's gone out there. Pavetta and Velasquez. They're showing you what you sh- you saw last year. The car, their cars are on the table. So, exactly. And uh, um, so w- when it comes to the rotation, then you know, obviously it's uh, Nola and uh, Wheeler. Wheeler, right? 
where who do you see three, four, five in that order? Uh, I th- I think you got to go uh, Arietta at three, even though he hasn't shown you a ton in the last two years, and then Eflin uh, at four, and then um, Suarez, Pavetta, Velasquez at five. Obviously, right now everybody would be leaning Suarez, so uh, Arietta, Eflin, Suarez, yeah. but. I'm not exactly feeling strong about that back of the rotation. Suarez is pitching really well here in spring training. But I'd honestly time, be kind of tempted. He has I, struggled in the past, and he's still mostly an unproven commodity. Yeah, yeah. I'd be kind of tempted, though, to let Eflin be three. Kind of dangle it. Uh, I, if he can finish the spring off well, I would definitely uh, consider it. But, I mean, Arietta isn't pitching horribly. I think his last start he had... Uh, he didn't allow any hits through four innings. He did have four walks, but uh, if he can get the control a little bit da- uh, down, he said he threw a Arietta no-no. Could be in for a decent season. Uh, he was throwing a no-no <laughs> in four innings. Hey, hey, I four mean, innings is a decent outing, too. <laughs> I, it's it's one game. It's one inning less than an official game. Remember, so. remember, uh, Ubaldo Jimenez threw a no hitter and he walked what eight people or something, twelve people. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> Uh, there was another. Was it Edwin? I think Edwin Jackson once threw a uh, no hitter with Tampa Bay or maybe with Arizona. I forget who which team it was. Uh, it was one of those two. But he had like ten walks in the game and still threw a no hitter. Hundred twenty seven pitches. Uh, it was quite the thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm not really feeling great about three through five entering this season. Uh, we'll see how they do, but uh. Are you confident at all that anybody out of Noel or Wheeler can give you consistent starts? Um, I mean, Eflin, when he was hot, he was hot. Like, he's very streaky. But, I mean, am I confident? Not necessarily. I guess with the fifth, with the fifth spot, I don't think you really need to be that confident. Like, it would be nice. But, like, it's the fifth starter. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. So, I mean, it's more... The more concern is, like, the three and four. But at the same time, teams that compete in divisions and in the playoffs need a good fit starter. But that's also a place the Phillies could address uh, need be at the trade deadline. So, we'll see. Uh, Other than Phillies news, they have begun making some roster cuts. No real surprises. A lot of uh, minor league ballpen guys. Uh, so nothing really to discuss there. Uh, we really haven't seen or heard him. Well, we haven't seen at all Spencer Howard. He is uh, dealing with, I think, a knee injury or inflammation. Uh, they're taking it slow on him as they should. He could be the future of your rotation. Um, are you worried at all about Howard? Or I mean, uh, he's had that you, kind are of... Are you okay with him taking it slow? I'm fine with him taking it slow. I know he's... I didn't realize he's, what, like 23, 24? Yeah, he's still pretty young. Yeah, but, um, so I don't really, like, I don't mind them going slow with him. You look at, um, who was it, Strasburg, you know, they they limited him even in the majors. So I'm not too worried. Um, the elbow or whatever the injury, I forget you know, what it is. Um, I believe it's uh, a knee, knee injury. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um, that's a little concerning that it's, twice now i know he said it's not um the same injury but it's still a little concerning especially with a pitcher 
Um, you know, it's all in their legs and their, you know, arms. You go. Yeah, if you can finish my bad. Yeah, no, you're good. I w- I was just saying it's if you're gonna worry anything, it's their legs and like the elbow yep. slash shoulder. Yep. Yeah. You know, you make you brought up Strasburg there. This isn't Phillies related, obviously, but everybody laughed about the Nationals for all those years after Strasburg's uh, elbow injuries about keeping him on innings limit and such uh, even when they needed him in late in the season in the past. And you know what? It worked out perfectly for the Nationals because when they needed him to be the best pitcher in baseball last year, he was the best pitcher in baseball and he led them to help lead them to a World Series. So, yeah. So honestly, it didn't help the Nationals in the short term, but long term, oh yeah, remember they were throwing fits. Yeah, they were throwing yep, fits because they were doing it. But it, looking back now, like I honestly, I just thought about it. It worked, and that's why the I'm dude's not what, too worried. The dude's what? A top five? The dude's without a doubt a top five pitcher in the game. You could argue he's a top three pitcher in the game or higher. Well, and and pitcher is different than any other position because of how long they can pitch. You know they yep. can they have the long, the longest career out of any almost any other position really. So, I mean Bartolo Colon was still pitching what last year two years ago. Yeah. So I mean, now he's not productive really anymore. But like a pitcher can last a lot longer. So like twenty four to me like it sounds older than it is, but um, I'm. I'm actually pretty – I'm fine with them taking their time with him. Uh, yeah, and last Phillies, I know before we uh, wrap this up today, uh, is there anything else you'd like to see uh, this spring uh, that we haven't so far? I, we have uh, BSed plenty of this uh, <laughs> on the podcast and off about uh, tel- games not being televised this spring. Uh, but besides that, is there anything that – you're looking. You want to see before we get into the regular season here. I mean, the main the main thing was we and we we just hit on it was I I would have liked to see Spencer Howard like even in one game or so you know like it would have been nice to see him but we just talked about it. I'm fine with them taking their time with him. Um, Dee's bat. Um, I would like Alec Boom just intrigues me a lot. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what they oh, do with as him. You should. Yeah, as you should. What I'm looking for is, uh, I'm just looking for Kingery, Hoskins, and uh, Didi to really uh, start hitting the ball a little better. There, none of them are really not hitting the ball hard. Didi's not having the best of swings, uh, but some of it's just not getting lucky. So I'm gonna look for those three to really start stringing some things together heading into the season. Uh, but I think that wraps up the Phillies. Uh, we're not gonna talk any Eagles today because uh, I believe next Monday is the start of. NFL free agency. Eagles are going to be a player for at least one big name out there in Byron Jones. So uh, I think next week um, we uh, either were dedicating most of the episode to the Eagles or we may just have our own uh, Eagles uh, free agency episode. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out which way we're going there. But that'll do it for today's episode. Once again, thanks for listening to the Cheese Sticks and Seven Level podcast. Once again, I'm Dylan Cowan Crowley. He was Austin Mancini, and check back in on Thursday for another episode of the Cheesesteaks in the 700 Level Podcast. Have a great day.